0: Hello, my sweet, beautiful friends. It's me, Adam, and we're back with another episode of Therapy Me. Today's podcast stands out by a mile. The audio quality, for one, is pristine. George, our guest, his microphone makes the audio that I'm recording with sound like I'm broadcasting from a cave on Mars, not with the aid of Wi-Fi, but via some sort of cup and string ancient technology. Mine compared to George's is like comparing Bruce Lee's ability to move with the way a sloth can move its body. Do you know what I mean? There was no comparison. I congratulated George on the audio quality and I was harassing him for what sort of setup he has. The audio I would use nowadays after having this podcast with George is mm, I would say above average. Um, His is absolutely blinding and it was a pleasure really to be able to have a conversation with him with amazing audio now first of all let me say my deepest apologies because I lost about 50% of this conversation maybe not 50% maybe maybe 35 to 40% this podcast therefore is a little mishmash and I tried to make it better with voice recognition software to salvage as much of it as I possibly could what happened was we became out of sync so if I was to allow the uh, the the actual recording of the podcast between me, me and George get released then it would sound like I'm constantly interrupting him and it would sound like he's constantly interrupting me and it would sound like I must be on under the influence of alcohol and drugs because I seem to be responding to him four seconds later <laughs> like everything, all of the replies are just out of sync so not a very nice audio experience for you my guys so yeah, I've managed to salvage it as much as I can. It is mishmash. It's Like I said, it's, it's, it, it, the original one didn't make sense. So what we're left with is actually um, remnants of the conversation I had with George. But it was such an amazing conversation that w- what does remain is actually w- very listenable and enjoyable. There are a few moments in this podcast where you'll hear this sound... <laughs> which represents uh, like a divider from one monologue to the next one. Uh, This is podcast restoration at its most pathetic. So yeah, so audio issues and synchronicity problems aside, after this conversation with George, I immediately started shopping for new microphones so I could uh, do this podcast with the same level of audio quality which all the other podcasters in the world are doing. But this podcast host has amazing guests incredible insights and a passion to get across everything that is written in the bio into the ears of the listeners and hopefully you keep coming back every single week for stuff like that and hopefully i'm delivering i'm starting to get messages and emails from some of you asking for me to push this podcast more in a direction of spirituality and religion and we will be getting there we're going to be speaking to clerics rabbis Um, scholastic teachers, um, archivists, um, ancient scripture restoration guests we have coming on. Um, We have people coming on uh, from Jerusalem who is living in the heart of the three Abrahamic faiths. We have Gnosticism experts coming on. So we've got a lot in the pipeline. Now, just so I can get it out of my head, speaking with George, I feel like my current microphone quality needs to be upgraded. I feel like right now it's a sort of acceptable level of transmission. Good enough for like doing announcements via tannoys in underground sewers. This is unavoidable and I cannot unhear the nuances in the audio between George and myself. and What a new friend he is. What I love about podcasting as well is we all have friends but there's something really sweet about connecting with new people. There's this horizonlessness to these conversations I'm finding and, and maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast called Therapy Me, I don't know. This conversation is a glorious slalom through the neurons of an interesting man called George. We talk about bipolar disorder and it's very much a personal odyssey and autobiographical description of George's life or very much a period in his life. Now at first I was a little bit frightened when I first met him because he's the type of dude who sounds like you could just sort of start chopping bodies whilst listening to opera and have a conversation at the same time and just vibe. There's also a lot less talking from me in this one, it's very much uh, give the platform to George for him to express his opinions and his views and his experience most importantly his experience i wouldn't just let any old weirdo on the podcast rabbit in on about whatever they want but this is certainly not the case with george there's also a revelation regarding lithium in this conversation and the importance and aid that lithium can be for regulating mood i believe he called it the mood stabilizer for the brain so it's such a it's such a cool laid-back unscripted conversation and i love it you're also going to be hooked in by his sublime New Jersey accent. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. We talk about bipolar, we talk about living with bipolar, we talk about the states of depression, we talk about how mania is sort of like having a superpower and how depression can also be used to just harness your creativity, which is an angle that I never really considered before. And he talks about how we find great music and art and coming from a dark place inside of you. He's also mentioned a place called BipolarAdvantage.com which offers a course called Bipolar In Order which is a great little play on words there not disorder but getting it in order so I'm going to leave the link in the description for that because you may have stumbled across this podcast just from the keywords being bipolar so yeah, um, we talk about a lot here I am currently packing because I have a flight to catch in about three hours. The next episode is going to be broadcast from Bali. I'm going to be updating you on that. It's a very special place for me. This is actually where the conception of this podcast originated from last year. So very excited to return there. Guys, I really appreciate you listening this far. I hope that you get something out of this conversation. The the conversations coming up, guys, are really incredible. I'm really getting into the swing of this. Um... I feel like there are pathways opening up to me and this podcast is starting to take on a life of its own. And I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning back in every single week. And this is only gonna get better. And I know that we've had a lot of we've had a bit of mishmash, you know, we've done some spirituality, we've done some psychology, we've done some mental health. We are gonna be getting deep, knee deep back into mysticism and spirituality soon. We have some really cool people coming onto this show. Guys, thank you once again and I'll see you on the other side. Bye. But this audio is absolutely blinding me. It is probably the best audio I've had on any, like any guests come on the show.
1: Mine personally, you mean? Yeah. I'll take you, I'll I'll show you my setup. It's funny, dude. I've got a 20-year-old studio, um, you know, the the thing that they put behind the studio mics, the sound insulation. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've got one because I used to have a studio and I've got a towel on top of that. So it's making like a little box. And I just bought a Rode NT-USB. I got it used for about 90 bucks. Oh, and honestly, all day yesterday I was trying cuz I was I was getting um, feedback, noise buzzing inside. Yeah. And I was really worried that um, it wasn't it wasn't going to be doable, but it looks like it is, so amen. You know, good. I'm glad you're happy yeah. with it, man. Thanks.
0: So yeah, you sound like you're from sort of East Coast of America, man. Are you born and bred? Good, in- good
1: catch. Good catch. Born and raised in New Jersey, Bergen County. I like to tell people, because there's a little landmark, if you've ever watched The Sopranos.
0: That's exactly
1: um, what you remind me of,
0: man. You remember <laughs> the
1: Bada Bing? You remember the Bada Bing? Bada Bing, Bada Boom. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 strip club that used to have the Bada Bing.
0: Yeah.
1: I used to live about three minutes away from that actual location. Um, it was on uh, Route, I think it was Route 17 behind my house, or Route 46. I don't remember because it's. Long time ago, thirty years ago, more. Yeah. But I oh, uh, well, used to so live you've, literally you've two, been, three minutes away.
0: You've been you've been away from home for thirty years.
1: Well, I'm Cypriot. My family is Cypriot. My parents migrated. My grandparents migrated in the '60s. My father went in '71 before the war, and then they were supposed to get married in '74. Then the war happened. And they ended up getting married at 75. Took my mother back. It was an arranged marriage. That's how they used to do it back then. Yeah. And I was born there. And I moved over. We moved over as a family in 92, 93. So I've been here since 92. I'm old, dude. I'm not young. I mean, I'm old, old. I mean, I'm 45, so.
0: It sounds like it sounds like you're getting baked. I'm not going to lie.
1: No, dude. It's a cigarette. Um oh, a okay. cigarette. It's a roll-up cigarette. Um, no, Okay. Actually, yeah, I, I'm it, sorry. It would have been nice if I had I some. I, should, good, I, shouldn't assume. I shouldn't I shouldn't. Other people that have made the comment. Uh, it's just... I I, I smoke. Uh, it does help with my condition. I wish... I want to give it up. It's one of my few bad habits. Yeah. And uh, a couple of my guests, like, even though I told them, no, it's just a cigarette. Like, they didn't believe it. <clears throat> and they completely bounced on me uh, in a couple of podcasts of the years ago. It is just tobacco. No, I, yeah. I don't really do any... Um, wouldn't mind That's to free. have some, to be honest, but... <laughs> oh yeah man yeah for sure, man. for sure here it's it's illegal here still man No, up in the uk you guys uh they've um decriminalized it out there so yeah, yeah
0: it's uh it's more and more lenient out here now like you can yeah. get stopped with staff and uh you know likely you're just gonna get told to be a good boy and you just carry on you get to keep everything is it making it's, a
1: lot of noise i won't smoke if it's because I, I imagine that lighter is getting picked up from the... Uh, no, it's cool.
0: It sounds like no, it's fine. It's just yeah, it's just picking it up, but that's cool, man.
1: Is it all right? Um, with it? Is it okay? Okay, cool. Yeah, man.
0: This is chill. This is cool, cool man. You if you want to smoke, smoke. Awesome. No problem. Man.
1: Thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for your time. I hope, I hope I can you know help you out with your podcast. What's it called, by the way? You didn't tell me.
0: So the working title for it is Therapy Me.
1: Therapy. So me. I don't know. I
0: don't, I don't know why I called it that, but I find like these conversations quite therapeutic. Yes, and. I was just scrambling my brain. I was trying to find a name and then I sort of couldn't find one that I really, really liked. So in the end, I thought I was start doing it. So I just started doing it and the name just, just stuck around. So, but they do say there's a good chance you're going to end up changing the name of a podcast.
1: I like it, like, man. Um, I like oh, it. Thank you, man. Thank you, I man. do yeah. like it because, um, I know in the UK, there's a lot of, um, support for people with uh, mental disorders and, um, here there's none. Like one of the things I've been trying to do uh, is, you know, get some kind of support groups, you know, especially for people going through disorders and, you know, their loved ones. Because like for me, having bipolar disorder, um, and I inherited that from my father, my my father's, I learned a lot, you know, when I finally realized that I have the disorder, I realized that, hey, I'm going to have to do this. There's nobody to do this for me. So I do like therapy, me. I think it's very cool. Kudos. Ha. Huh. Yeah.
0: How's everything with you at the moment, man? Is everything all good?
1: Good, man. I'll. You can ask me anything, or if you just want to let me go, I'll just keep talking. Up to you, man. <laughs> Whatever you want, I'm here to... I'm here to... Go ahead. I'm here. Go ahead. Ask me anything. I'll start from the beginning, or I'll start from the middle and work my way around. Up to you. Some people would say,
0: you know, you're ultimately all alone, like what you just said there, when you realized that you yeah. got it from your dad you inherited it and, uh, you got to walk the path by yourself. Yeah. Um, what situations have you found yourself in? Um, and you've needed to be your own support system. Like, I don't know, you could be at work, you could be at school, you could be anywhere. Um, but you can't really, you could, you've got to help yourself there. And then have you ever been in a situation like that.
1: Um, for me, it's more, I don't think it's a situation in particular. I think for me, um, events, like I- events are what triggered, you know, like uh, a, a, a slide, a backslide. Yeah. I didn't know I had bipolar disorder until 2017. Um, well. but once I understood that I had the disorder, I could yeah. recognize, oh, this particular area of my life you know, there was mania. This particular was the depression, you know, this particular area, I was fine. Um, Mm. and I was literally just able to keep it under control by sheer willpower. I, I just wouldn't let myself go or, or I would lock myself up. You know, there was a point where I was literally staying in a hotel for like six months, not talking to anybody because I knew, I knew that, you know, if I get triggered, there's going to be violence. So I just said, you know what? I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to have to deal with anything. And I ended up spending six months isolating myself from the world, literally going to work, coming home. And um, so, how old are you at this point? Like, how old are you I'm 45, in your life? 45. No, at 45.
0: this point, at this point, um, where you, this story you just talk about right now. Yeah. When you had to look at the Okay, so this is 2012.
1: This, is, this was, this was uh, 2012. So, this is 10 wow. years ago. Um, 11 years ago, sorry. Cause it was January of 2012. Um uh, okay. I was, um, 34, I guess. Yeah. 34. 34. Wow. What
0: that was should... something
1: that, you know, I didn't know what to deal with. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just, I was just curious. Um, how independent are you at that point in your life? Like to lock yourself to not lock yourself away, but to remove yourself and look after and be so mature because you know what's coming sort of thing. The way you
1: speak about it, it's like, oh God, I know what's coming. I need to do. Well, there were certain events that led up to that and um, and it's not a secret or anything. Uh, I'm a police officer. Op- I used to be a police officer. So I used to, I was uh, 21 years, a police officer. Um, and if you'll allow me, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little background. Sure. Um, I worked all over the island Because I was one of those guys that, you know, the officers didn't like. Like, the head honchos never liked because I didn't conform. I wanted to do the job, you know. And they hated that. And then at some point, I got advice from a friend of mine. After the crash of 2008, I got some advice from a friend of mine. And um, Charlie. Charlie's a a financial wizard. Shout out to Charlie if he sees this. Charlie. Yeah, and Charlie is uh, an awesome, awesome dude, and he was an ex-military uh, American soldier, and he was living here because he married a Cypriot woman, and uh, he was like my financial guru as well, and I said, yo, Charlie, you know, the crash is coming. What should we do? And He told me, get out of the cities, so I kind of thought about that advice. You know, I was always into conspiracy theories. I, I was an investigator by trade. So I loved solving puzzles and I was always into conspiracy theories trying to get to the bottom of it. You know, it was just my little uh, hobby, so to speak. Um, So, you know, I, I I was faced with a dilemma. like, okay, get out of cities. What should I do? And I kind of, like I told you, I moved around a lot growing up. You know, I never spent more than, you know, a few years in any location and it was exhausting. And my family, my mother and my father, are from a little village it's it's on the sea it's beautiful um and it's right on the sea and it's the only place that I say, you know what I've got a piece of land here and I've got some land why don't I just go there I've never lived there I used to come, I've come here for holidays and stuff but it's beautiful mm-hmm. um and I started putting things in motion to see if I can get transferred here and in 2010 the there was an there was an opening because they opened up a new spot here that was like a checkpoint between the, the two communities, and I got sent here in 2010, and I uh, came here with my cousin, and obviously my grandparents were here. I had some family here, whatever, and I came with this mentality of like, you know what? I've been all around the world, I've met so many people. This is home. This is the only place in the world where I could say, this is mine. It was like this piece of land. These people are my family, their siblings, their cousins. And I came with a very naive attitude. You know, I was trying to be nice and I was going through some, I was going through depression at the time and I knew it was depression, but I I, kind of thought it was because I broke up with my girlfriend, It was a girl I really cared about, I really loved, and I was having some time getting, I, I needed some. I needed some privacy just to get over her. So I can figured you know what? I'm going to come I'm going to set up my little studio and I'm just going to be alone and and work and pay the bills and come and, and and do some music just to let my depression, you know, run its course. Yeah. And some stuff happened. My cousin was trying to organize some the community here to start some kind of youth club so that they could take advantage of certain um, European grants to get organized so that they can do events and whatever. And he was getting blackballed literally by the, by the system. You no, know, it turns out we found out later that there was certain people involved. I'm not going to mention who were embezzling funds from the European union money over 2 million. <laughs> by the way. Oh shit. Now we didn't, we didn't notice at the time, <laughs> We didn't notice at the time at all. It came to the point afterwards, my cousin told me, you know, they literally sent somebody and threatened him that you and your cousin need to back off. Now, I didn't notice at the time. So we were going to have this youth club, right? And mind you, I'm older than everybody. And, you know, I've I've got a pretty big reputation. I've been involved in in, in the Greek music scene for years. Um, You know, I'm not just, I, I know some people, you know what I mean? And for these, for for the people here, it's like, oh, you know, he'll help us. He'll bring us some artists. We'll have some parties, and great, yeah, why not? So you guys go ahead and do this, and let me know what I could do to help. No, you and your cousin did it. You guys have to lead, you know, lead us going forward. I'm like, I'm not interested, man. I'm not here for this. And I eventually caved. I said, okay, guys, whatever you need, I'm happy to serve. So we had the elections. And it turns out that some phone calls were made from the previous night to make sure that me and my cousin were not elected into this role of the community center or the the youth club, actually. And the betrayal happened publicly, like in front of the whole town. Hmm. And it really... That whole day, I could feel this negative energy. My stomach was hurting. Like I knew something bad was going to happen. What is the betrayal? Well, these guys who who wanted me and my cousin to take this youth club and start it and run it for the community literally brought us there to show us that you're not welcome here. So they figured that, hey, we'll spread our votes around. I don't know if you know how elections work elections are very easy to manipulate. So if there's let's say for example 200 people voting, right? And I get and I only get 10 votes even though I'm supposed to get like 70, right? And all those other kids instead of voting for us, they just simply everybody cuz they all, they all talk to each other and they say don't vote for these two, just vote for us, right? Mm. Cuz everybody knew that it was me and my cousin who set this thing up. Me and my cousin did the running around me and my cousin, we went to the official offices. We got the documents. We got all the background. We got the previous books that they were, they were refusing to give us, the accounting books and whatnot. And on the day of the elections, in front of the uh, from the from the government, the people came from the government, and uh, we're here to certify these elections and whatnot. They they literally made sure that me and my cousin didn't get voted in, and it was like a not a scandal. But it was just a show of force to say, hey, you know what? You guys aren't welcome here. I, I don't know if that makes sense because everything happened in Greek. I've never had to tell the story in English. So does that make sense or? In, 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 it makes sense. Yeah, like a little
0: bit. So it's 30 years <laughs> ago and all of a sudden you get. It's not 30 shit years off. ago. It was 10 years ago. Oh, 10 years ago. This is and 2011. Get, 2011.
1: 2011, 2012. So, yeah. I- and you and your cousin came over to Cyprus. No, because... no, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. I'm really sorry. I moved to Cyprus in 1992. I was a teenager. Yeah. This story happened 10 years ago. I'd already been a police officer for about 11 years, okay? And I moved from Nicosia, the, I don't know if you know Cyprus at all, but I moved from, from the city, from the capital, to a little village where my family is from. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And the reason I moved is because I got the advice from Charlie, right? Get out of the cities, get a piece of land, you know, a, a very American attitude, grow some vegetables, get some chickens and whatnot. So get out of the cities if the crash comes. So I figured, okay, the only place I can go is in my family's village. It's a little town, about a thousand people. Um and I've got some land here, and I'll figure out what to do with the land—maybe build a house or a farm or something. I was yeah. about thirty-four years old at the time. And when we came here, my cousin got involved with some of the kids in the community, and when I say kids, they were in their early twenties. To say um, we want to, we w- w- let's let's get organized so that we could take advantage of these European Union grant money. For, you know, for youth, because there's a whole, there was a whole bunch of grants that you can apply for and you could make a basketball team or make a shooting club or whatever. Hmm. And so we can take advantage of this money and we could do stuff in the local community. This was the mentality. And my cousin who was running after this thing started getting, you know, stonewalled and blackballed because there was other people involved that were stealing money from these, from these same grants. Okay. Now me being a cop, I didn't know none of this at the time, but like I told you, I came here because I wanted to get over it. My depression, me being a cop, I don't like these things. So when I started discovering them, I started going full speed and we eventually did it. We, we, we organized the, you know, we rallied the whole town, we, we got everybody who not only lives here, but who lives in other areas of the island, but they actually are from here. They all showed up, about 250, 300 people showed up to vote, you know, to have these elections, and we can set up this, you know, youth community club so that, you know, the youth here in, in, in the town can have activities to do. But on the day of the elections... The people who were embezzling the money called two or three families who live here and they said, make sure that George and his cousin do not get voted in. So they all conspired between themselves to make sure that me and my cousin didn't get voted in and they took over the whole, you know, the the, the whole, yeah, the whole thing. And eventually what happened is that a month later, they completely shut it down. I mean, why am I saying the story? The reason all this happened is because I put a lot of hope into doing yeah. something for my community, right? A lot of effort, a lot of hope. And when I saw the way they did it, it really, it was like a punch in the gut. So yeah, man. I eventually, I said, you know what? I don't want to deal with these people. I don't want, is it okay to curse or we can't curse? Yeah, yeah man. I don't want to fuck with this. I, I came here for another reason. You know, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, to fix their problems. we here to fix my problems. And I was already, you know, living in the hotel in town. And I just literally shut myself up in my room f- for six months. And all I was doing was going to work and going back home. And that was it. I didn't talk to nobody. I didn't want to see nobody. Nothing. And I told my cousin from, from then, I'm look, man, I don't want to get involved. This isn't what I want to do. He goes, Oh, come on, man, I'm bored. Look, help me, help me get this sorted out. And and interestingly enough, when I discovered that I had bipolar in 2017, and I and I saw those events and how I reacted, I realized, oh, okay, there was me ready to go on a manic cycle. And I just shut myself in my room. Because I knew I was just on the on the point of ex, of exploding, right? Because what I, happened at the point of ex, of exploding as well. I'm very dude. violent, dude. I'm very violent. Okay. I like violence. I like fighting. I like violence. You know, I had I used to, not anymore, obviously, but I like I enjoy violence. I enjoy imposing my. I'm, I'm, I'm being straight with you, man. I mean, I I understand that these things aren't good, and I certainly am not that person. Yeah, but there was a part of me. Because I'm from New Jersey, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? I And, and my family, my family, you know, I, I've got some so-called, quote-unquote, bad apples in my family. I mean, there's genetics involved. And yeah. I would have, there was a huge temptation just to go and say, you think you're smarter than me, motherfucker? And just beat the shit out of people with baseball bats, man. Oh, shit. How- I don't so you give just- a fuck, dude. The dude, you don't understand. I mean, I, I come, from, I'm old school. You know what I mean? These kids are not clever. You know, I put the fear of God of people if I have to. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I said I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, you know, yeah I was 34 years old. I came to my community. My grandparents are living here. You know, I don't want to show this 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 part of me. You know, it is what it is. If you guys think you could do a better job, and I told them, I told the kids, you know what, man, good luck to you. And if you need anything, I'm happy to help. Because that was my attitude. But I knew mm-hmm. that the wrong thing would have set me off. So, so you I said, removed, okay. so you remove yourself from that situation. I did. Situation. I completely removed myself because I was living here. It's not like I could just leave. I was living here. I was working. here. Yeah. I was living here. So, and I think it was the right move. You know, a lot of great things happened. You know, I used that, you know, time and I, and, I, and I, there's some things I'd like to talk to, you know, mention at least um, regarding this. But, you know, that's where I eventually I met my wife. Cause I met my wife online who was also living a secluded life at the time because she was working. Um, she was an airline stewardess who was working on contract in Africa with the United Nations. So they were like, she was really cut off from the world. They were living in a gated community. So she had a lot of free time online. And um we would, you know, we had interactions and she was very patient, and she was she was the only person where I could just unload all the crap on, you know what I mean?
0: And she just sit online, there and listen. Randomly.
1: I met her online, man. I met her online. I was, I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones. I love my wife. We're still together. We have a four-year-old, five, almost four-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Oh, cool. And um, my wife is is, is is, is, the greatest gift God has given me after my daughter. That's um, cool, man. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm really blessed. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope I didn't confuse you too much with that story, but I'm going to stop here. No, not at all. I'm happy that you told
0: her, George, and ha- I'm happy that you sort of um, went over it again and said it in like more detail. Thank stuff. you. Um, yeah. Cause it's interesting, Thank man. You. I like, Go ahead. yeah, it's just interesting there. Like what you said about being able to preempt what your behavior was gonna turn into, and you know what you're capable of. Man, you. I have to ask like, before <clears throat> you were keeping an eye on yourself and doing the responsible yeah. thing, like did shit get bad? Like, did it get really bad? You don't have to talk about it, if you're um, by
1: the way. No, it's fine. Um... Look, I never went out looking for violence, but I was happy to embrace it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a violent person by nature. What I am, though, is a hothead. Yeah. Right. So I have, and an, an, I get this from my mom's side of the family. There's a really bad initial reaction, and it'll be loud because we're Greek, man. I mean, we're loud. You know, I don't know if you know Italians and Greeks and Cypriots, even Middle Easterners, Arabs in general. You know, there's yeah, this a initial reaction that's very loud and very abrupt. Yeah, it's a flare. And um, it's very easy to be misconstrued. But I
0: think... It's fucking good to hear you no. speak like that, man. I'm sorry. I just have to say, some people are a bit more reactive. Like, it doesn't mean they're bad people
1: in the heart either. No. It's just something you have to learn to control. You okay, know, I, yeah. I know we talked we, we talked with through messages a little bit. Um, about my spiritual journey and I honestly hope that uh, people can um, you know not if not relate just take a little piece and, and f- take these pieces of the puzzle and make them work for you you know yeah uh, I never could I used to we all consider ourselves victims right we're a victim we're a victim of circumstance we're a victim of our conditions we're a victim of of, of life we're, and that's not a healthy attitude. I considered myself a victim. I blamed everybody for, for the things that happened to me. And you know what? To an extent, it's reality. You know what I mean? But there has to come a time where you simply stop, you have to stop blaming people and stop victimizing yourself. Just, you know, man up, yeah. pull up your pants, tie on your bootstraps, and say, okay, whatever people did, They did. But what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What should I change? Because at the end of the day, you can only control what you do and what you say and how you think. And I think how you think is the biggest one. If, you know, with the issue of my condition, right, you know, my, my, I still have to go see a psychiatrist. I go every few months, you know. um, Okay. When I, yeah, because (laughs) when I went through uh, my last mania in 2017 it was bad dude like the whole world was looking for me i ended up outside of the american embassy you know screaming at them yo i'm jesus christ let me in <laughs> i need to Damn. talk to the guy, ah, dude it was bad and the head of security was a family friend and it was bad dude it was really bad you know and that's not like it's only six years ago so it's not like it's long, long long time ago. and i burned a lot of bridges you know people don't know obviously i've got bipolar disorder mm. Uh, they might not even know to this day. I was very f- fortunate and blessed. You know, I had a little angels. I was in like I left Cyprus and I went to Greece. You know, I was out there. I have I'm I'm, I'm very interconnected in the in the music scene out there. So I, I know a lot of famous people. And you know, when even if you're semi-famous, it doesn't take much to get you know for something to happen. And, and these people, it's, it's their careers. And um, you know. They're like they were calling my my wife and my sister, and my mom. Like, what's going on with him? We don't know what to do with him. He's here. He's not here. We don't want him here anymore. And you know, uh, but I had people you know helping me along the way, and I ended up coming back and literally a month later. I think I was hospitalized end of February, beginning of March, um, and um, they sent me to the the, the psych. You know, eventually once you get into the psychiatric ward, you know when you have mania it's like a superpower when when you yeah. go through a depression it's like you harness your creativity that's how always i see it harness your creativity what do you, yeah what do you where does where does all the great music and the great art come from right it comes from a really deep sad place inside of you so um there's a there's a course that i did i'm gonna jump ahead a little bit and i wanna i want to get this out there for people i want to encourage them to to do it there and I get this is not a plug, by the way. There's an awesome course called Bipolar In Order. And I would suggest everybody who struggles from mental health issues from you know some kind of mental disorder, go check them out. They're on YouTube. That's a I'd, fucking genius name as well, man. Bi- it is, Bipolar man. In order. In order. And the program and the way the guy approaches it. Um I actually paid for the course. Like there's like a, like a two week course. And I did it, no, it was that a month, I don't remember, I think it's two weeks or a month. But I did the course. And the things that you learn, you know, he, he uses a lot of visuals as well. Um, You learn how to say, okay, how close am I to going off the deep end, you know, into depression or into mania? How long mm-hmm. am I there for? Am I there for an hour? Am I there for a day? Am I there for three days? Am I there for a week? And you have to always, um, you know, uh, self-evaluate. I self-evaluate myself every day. Every day. I'll sit, you know, maybe twice a day. Maybe every two, three days. You know, recently, like last week, you know, I, I, I could feel myself. I could feel the mania building up. And I had to sit there and, and evaluate because I was going through some stress and whatnot. And I needed to mm-hmm. you know how exercise I do. And I do a, a, I do a... I use a lot of nutrition. So I supplement a lot as well. Um, I... When I got out of the hospital, I did a lot of research, and the greatest, the most success people were having with mental disorders was through their nutrition. Um, Wow. I am not saying anybody, if you are on, on, on any kind of meds, I am not saying cut off your meds. I am not saying that. People need meds. I certainly needed meds. But... Um, there is, you can go online and Google it. I know it's probably, uh, buried into the ether, but, um, if you go through your nutrition and realize what certain supplements do, and lithium is one of the best supplements to take because lithium is the stabilizer of the mind. Uh, I know lithium is in the, in the news a lot lately and they're saying, well, lithium is so abundant in the soil. But, you know, so-and-so country doesn't want to mine it. Well, they're talking about batteries. But the reality is lithium... Lithium batteries, right? Well, yeah, yeah, lithium batteries in your phones, and they use them for the cars and whatever. That's what they're mining the lithium for. However, lithium is just a natural element. It's a salt. And it's abundantly present in a lot of places. In some places, it's not abundantly uh, uh, present. So... When they started taking these psychiatric uh, analysis and doing, you know, start, started studying it seriously, they did some analysis and they, they figured out that, hey, countries with very low lithium in the ground, which obviously is absorbed through the food, have a higher suicide rate than countries with abundant lithium in the ground and the water. So they kind wow. of figured out that lithium is a good thing. And here's a little uh, thing that people don't know. 7-Up, most people like 7-Up. A lot of people wonder, where does 7-Up get its name from? What a stupid name. Well, when the guys who invented uh, 7-Up, they were using waters that were very high in lithium. So the 7-Up comes from the atomic element of lithium, which is the atomic element number seven, on the atomic, uh, on the periodic table, and seven up. So you drink a seven up, and you feel better, not because of cocaine like Coca Cola, but because of the lithium in the water. So lithium gets a really bad rap, but it's something that a lot of people need in their bodies. You know, I think there's other cases regarding blood type and whatnot. So you can
0: take lithium if it's prescribed to you, but you can also just try and source it in the food that you eat.
1: Um, the, look, the ideal scenario is to source of the food Which, that you eat. That's going to be impossible. I'll tell you what I discovered. Like I said, this was, I was just experimenting. And, you know, when I, I'd like to just take one step back before I move forward. When I understood that I had bipolar disorder, I told you I inherited it from my father. Now, my father had this his whole life and never managed to keep it under control. When my father was well... And I was, you know, blessed and fortunate enough to have a few good years with him, where he wasn't just my father; he was my friend. Whoa! But when the when the bipolar took over, it my was life. just horrible. Crazy. My father would spend three to five years at a time in bed, in bed, in bed. Right? And his—I don't even want to get into his mania because my family might hit. And look, like I said, I yeah, love him. And I am so, I am so gutted by how I felt about him having these things. They kind of knew and they wanted to give him meds and he hated the way the meds to, uh, made him feel. So he never took them. But, Sorry, man. you know, and he passed away. Ultimately, the bipolar killed him. Like his heart just, he had a couple heart attacks and, and his heart eventually just gave out. Um, and, um, Whoa. he, no, thanks, man. Thank you. Um. But I love him. My, my father was extremely talented. My dad was a musician. He was a he was a class A cook. Um, he was a, an electrical engineer. Funniest guy you'd want to hang out with. Uh, me and my dad, man, we used to have like when when like I said when he was good, he was great. But he had this condition and he couldn't keep it under control because he didn't know there wasn't enough science back there, whatever. But when I realized I had bipolar. Well, the only th- information I had was him. So I said to myself, I can't stay in bed for four years. I don't have that option. My wife is going to leave me. You know, I'm going to lose everything. So I said, okay, I have to fight this. Damn. You know, so I literally got out of the hospital. They injected you with all those drugs and eventually calm you to fuck down. Get out of the hospital and you hit depression immediately. I spent 10 days in bed, 10 days in bed, and I went to work, fully depressed though, but I, I pushed myself onto work because it wasn't an option. And not that I'm saying I'm somebody great, but I'm not. I'm saying that I had to own up to it. You know, I had to figure out how to control this. So I put all my efforts, and my and my wife really supported me. God bless her. You know, I put all my efforts and all my energies into, into figuring out how I can manage this, um, you know, you go to the hospital, they get you addicted to the, the benzodiazepines. Um, I tried to quit those immediately, almost killed myself when they. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad they are. So I was really getting into the Bible again in 2012. This is about right when I met my wife and, um, I was, going in it deeper, on a very, very, very deeper level than what I've ever done before that. Now, mind you, prior to 2012, I had stopped reading my Bible since about 2003, 2004. Yeah. I was involved with a church that was kind of a cult um, where I was a minister at, but we never treated it like a minister, like a cult here, but it, you know, you're know, you guilty by association. So, But there was a standard that I still hold to this day that says... We live our lives by the standard of God's word, where the Bible is silent, we'll speak. And when the Bible speaks, we'll be silent. And I like that. That was fair. Because you know what? At the end of the day, if this is the word of God, then when it talks, we need to shut the fuck up. You know, we need to listen, you know, and and I always like that because, you know, why would I trust people and not trust if this is the word of God? Yeah. You know, I would encourage everybody out there to take some time and, you know, establish the integrity of the book itself before anything. Because a lot of people's faith is based on, you know, a very sandy foundation. And as soon as troubled times come, you know, everything collapses. And that's kind of what happened to me, right? Because even though I was there and that foundation, a lot of what I was believing and, and what I thought, well, when I got sick, that was the ultimate test, right? It was like the test of Job. I was inflicted in bed; I couldn't do anything. You know, um, I was—I've lost all my credibility. I, you know, with work, with with my family, no people good, were man. running around saying I was—I 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 was i was i was i was i was a ju- I was a junkie. And you know, they're still saying it this. Day. a lot of people say I'm still a junkie. Like it was—it was—it was drugs that made me. You know, get into that you know, whatever. Mm. And you know what? You know, it isn't. But you know what? If I if I cared. And I do care a little bit, I'll be honest. But if I let it affect me, it would drive me crazy even more. You know, I don't have anything to prove to them. And this is the spiritual point I want to make. I real—I put my lighter down. That was a survey. I realized that, and I'm not saying this is for everybody. But for me, it was about my ego. Because... A lot of people think that, a lot of people confuse pride with ego. In English, you'll hear somebody say, oh, pride is at the root of all sins. Pride is what will kill you. That's not exactly accurate. I met somebody recently, because it's interesting, because bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder, it's BPD, right? So I always thought that BPD was bipolar disorder until I started – until it started showing up on the Reddit groups as, you know, borderline personality disorder. And then I met somebody, young woman. Um, She reached out because I'd shared to another guy on some other subreddit that, uh, hey, you know, if if you need to talk, whatever, he was going through some stuff, feel free. I got this condition and, you know, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. And she was impressed and she kind of reached out and said – Hey, you know, you've got this thing, and you know, if you ever want to talk and whatever, I'm like, cool. Tell me about yourself. She goes, I'm doing the psychology thing, and um, she's studying psychology or something. And you know, I've got this condition, and I go, okay, you know, she goes, I kind of want to get it set up a group, and I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to set up a support group. Oh, great, let's do it together. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, and she started telling me about herself, and then the more she started telling me about herself, then the more. I started looking into it because, you know, there's patterns. Yeah. For example, people with uh, borderline personality disorder, which we'll call BPD from now on, people with BPD Mm -hmm. will cut themselves, will hurt themselves. They They will manipulate people in order to get attention. And then they'll try to harm them or, you know, maybe verbally or something, and then they'll oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then what happens is that they get that one person that becomes the quote unquote love of their life. Could be a friend, doesn't this mean their husband, could be a friend, boyfriend, a girlfriend, could be this it doesn't matter who, where they will literally make that person, you know, the object of just t- tyranny. I mean, it's it's out there, man. I mean, if you want, if you, you, you can you can delete this, man. This might not be good for you. Because I don't know enough about it. This is just what I gather from the information. Because I want to know who I'm dealing with. I'm a detective at heart, you know, and I see patterns. And a lot of these people, some of them are really sick, really ill. You know, they need real guidance. Some of them just enjoy the attention, though. I don't know enough to say, hey, this thing was around 50, 60 years ago. I don't know enough. Well, look, Mary, there's a lot of people who commit. Su- there's a lot of people who commit suicide. A lot of people commit suicide. A lot. Like I'm going to tell you something about me. I am not the biggest fan of modern modern psychiatry. I'm not saying it's useful. It's cool, man. I'm not saying it can't help somebody. But when the when when and like I said, you're welcome to edit this out. It's fine. But. What's the difference if I'm a junkie needing a fix so I can get through the day and I go to the heroin dealer and he gives me a little packet of heroin or I go to somebody with a professional license and they give me a script of some kind of pharmaceutical drugs just so I can get through the day again. Again, I'm not saying it's not useful. There's a time for it. But man, I'll tell you something, bro. I've been a cop for a long time and I pulled over a lot of people (laughs) and I seen their eyes and I see how wired they are on some kind of Xanax or whatever and I'm like man this Mm. is not good and there is a huge huge amount of the population that's on pharmaceutical drugs man and they're out in the world and you'd never know it it could be a Xanax it could be a You know, whatever, and and these people are they're just trying to get through your day. They're not dealing with the problem. They're just pushing it, you know, and then they're getting addicted to these things. The one thing I just want to say to everybody listening is that, man, take care of yourself. Realize that you're in charge of your life. And you can put that decision in anybody's hands, but you're better off starting keeping it in your hands. Only if you feel that you'll harm yourself really get the help that you need. Let me be clear. I have no problem if modern pharmacology was honest. And I have no problem if saying that, you know what? When you're bad enough, God forbid, you might need these things. So I'm saying, I'm not saying there there, there isn't a need for it. I think the problem is so bad that sometimes you need those things, but they're not going to solve your problem. But they might, and if they do, great, great. Amen. I want to hear. Uh, let me hear. Like you know, you what? Uh, you took your, you know, you took your. Um, I forget the the, the, you know, the names yeah. for these. Uh, you know, uh, drugs that they they give people. You know, with our condition, and if you know, but you most of the time you're on them forever. You're on them forever. You know, I was on them too. I still got them in my drawers. They changed the scripts four times and nothing worked. I was getting brain zaps while I I was crashed twice. They told me we're going to take your license away. like, you can't take driving away from me. It's the only thing I got. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's inherently bad. I am saying that there's a lot of manipulation going on. Now, regarding your question, do I think that the alternative remedies are better? I think alternative remedies are not only better, I think they're necessary because we the, the kind of lifestyle that we live, especially if you're living in a in a city, in a big city, and you know, people don't see the sunshine. I, I remember I went to Athens for a holiday for a, for a vacation for 10 days and the buildings were so tall, I couldn't see the sun. I couldn't actually see the sun because the buildings were so tall. And I was miserable after seven days. And I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine. And he said, yeah, dude, every Friday I'm out. I'm going to the village. I'm, I'm spending time out in, you know, in, in the sticks with my family. Yeah. I can't be here seven days a week. And by the way, th- there's a biblical concept of this about building cities and what Are they useful? What's a city used for? I mean, if, if we're going to... What's it useful? You don't produce... Cities don't produce nothing. Cities only consume. And if you're stuck in this race, the rat race... Where your whole job is just to go, oh, I need to get this, or yeah, I need to do this in my job, or I'm gonna go out mm. tonight and I'm gonna find, you know, a, a woman to shag or whatever. You're playing this, you're yeah, you're, you're 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 in this race that all you're gonna do is go around in circles. Isn't that going to affect you negatively at some point? And I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, I'm not trying to get people depressed. I'm saying you're probably a lot of people are just victims of circumstance. You know, what do you do if somebody's a fourth generation Londoner, for example? What do you do? You you don't have an option. I I was fortunate enough to have an option. I grew up in New Jersey. I spent time in Florida. I lived the city life. I've been all over. And now I'm living in a little, little village in nature. And, you know, for me, it's good. It might not be good for other people. But at least here I have the time to reflect and say, you know what? For me, this is good. Maybe I'll go to the city tomorrow. I don't know. You know, I might move there. I'll I'll go wherever God wants me to go. But if you are living in a city, try to get some exercise. Try to make a trek out and spend a weekend in nature. You know, don't take your holiday time. For example, you get a week holiday from your work and come party in Napa. You you know what I mean? You'll pissed out of your brain while you're puking on the streets at five o'clock in the morning. I mean... Take a couple days and just spend it quietly, you know, in nature <laughs> and, and and work and, and try to eat better and take some supplements, figure out what's best for you. You know, we love to experiment with drugs, especially growing up try to experiment with, you know, different kinds of supplements. Yeah. Like try go, go to the store over the counter. I was going to tell you this. I remember lithium orotate. You can get over the counter lithium. It's called lithium orotate. Look it up. It's endorsed by John Gray, by the way, the guy who wrote uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Uh, he, he gives a great explanation. And it's only five milligrams of lithium. It's in a very cool delivery method. Uh, little capsules are about a few bucks. And, you know, just, 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 and, and keep a journal. People, nobody cares about you more than you. Come on, you are incredibly good mate yeah 100% Um, George thank you so much mate thank you bro and I'd love to have you on my uh, if you know once I get run I'd love to have you on mine you know I'd love to ask you some questions all right take care brother speak soon this is a really good thing that you're doing man thank you and like I said if you want to have me on I'd be happy to come on again God bless you man all the best enjoy the rest of your weekend bye bye
0: well that was me and the lovely George merging minds and conversing on bipolar disorder what an enlightening conversation I've completely changed the way I look at it Thanks for listening this far. We're going to be back next week with a podcast with Craig Blackmore. You can go to cblackmore.com to get a preview on that. I'll see you next week. Bye.